Nick, Nick, what's going on? I gotta go pee. I know, but you're running to the bathroom every 30 seconds. I know. We have a show to do. I know my bladder. Come on. Nick, do your pelvic exercises. Welcome to another episode of Have the, the balls, balls to, to Talk, talk about, about It. it. <laughs> hey, give me my balls back. <laughs> so today we'd like to welcome back Leanne DiCubelis, our, our pelvic floor physiotherapist, and we're going to talk about uh, an interesting topic which uh, some males have experienced. Nick actually brought this up because he's had some episodes. <laughs> it's actually true, I did. Yeah, of, <laughs> of men ping too much, yeah. you pee too much. Mm-hmm. So, um, and uh, let, me, let me start with this because it's interesting because when it, like, I, I've had it moments in my life and I always wondered, I, I never figured out, was it stress? Was it because I drank too much water? Yeah. Um, cause you know, I just, it kind of went, I had it, it left and I never knew, I never did anything about it. Then. Okay. I, so the average person would typically go between five to eight times a day. Does that depend on how much water they drink? And I get that question all the time. Okay. This is for someone who drinks, let's say around two liters of water okay. a day. Okay. So someone who is drinking all their intake of fluid. Evidently, if you're drinking four liters of water a day, you might go more frequently. Okay. The bladder And capacity, some patients don't realize that. I had a couple of patients come in and they were drinking eight liters of coffee a day. Okay. And then I, I said, stop, and they stopped, and they were cured. So yes. yeah. we're not talking about those patients. No, for someone who drinks the normal water, uh, normal fluid intake every day, they would go, let's say, every two and a half to three hours a day. Now, if you wake up in the morning and you didn't go all night, you might go more frequently in the morning, and that's okay. But globally, you would go between, let's say, five to eight times in a day. And at one point, um, I remember I was a little bit stressed, and the thought of it, could that also trigger? Yeah, definitely. There are stretch receptors in the bladder that can be triggered in different ways. Um, often when the volume gets to a certain point, those are gonna go off and give a signal to your brain and your spinal cord, you know, saying that you need to go. But there's other factors that can irritate the lining of the bladder and give you that, you know, that urgency, that feeling that you need to go now. So stress being one of them, anxiety, certain bladder irritants, like someone, for example, you mentioned coffee, alcohol, alcohol. spicy food, um, anything really acidic that could also irritate that's, the that's lining of the bladder the that, yeah because it could re- so what happens is the lining of the bladder gets more irritated and you know that gets the muscle around the bladder to want to contract in an involuntary way so it's going to give you that urgency that you need to go the bladder starts contracting which means it wants to empty very very similar healthy? to bladder infections you know a woman exactly. often sometimes men get a bladder infection irritates the bladder and they're running to the bathroom every 30 seconds. So you can mm-hmm. see that with caffeine and alcohol, not to the same degree typically as a bladder infection, but... Uh, Does that mean that caffeine and alcohol is, obviously we know alcohol is not, you know, good for you or great for you. Does that mean it's bad for you to drink? Is there X amount that I should or shouldn't drink or... No, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, most people pee more with caffeine and alcohol, but in moderation, yeah. it's... I think uh, if it affects your quality of life mm-hmm. and it stops you from doing things in your day-to-day, then you might want to reduce it and see if that changes. So it's very subjective when one, from one person to the other. It really depends on how it bothers you. You know, you can start off by eliminating one thing. Did it change anything? Yes or no. Keep a journal and see what the differences are with or without it. 
And, and people often come up to me and say, do I have to be treated? Do I need medication? Do I need yeah. therapy for it? And I, I, I tell them it's like a headache. Uh, you know, you can take a Tylenol if you want. No yeah. one died of, a, of an overactive bladder, right? No. So it's a if matter of... It, can you can you... No, yeah. you can't do any harm with okay, it. Okay. But, but yeah. no one died of an overactive bladder. It's a quality of life issue. Yeah. You have mm -hmm. a headache, you take Tylenol if you want to, if you want to live with it and go That's sit in it. a quiet room. Yeah. Um, you what know. happens sometimes is that someone will keep going to the bathroom frequently because they're nervous and they don't want to go, for example, mm. when they're working or when they're at the gym or when they step out of their house. And the bladder over time can get a little bit lazy in the sense that the total volume can, you know, instead of filling up to 400, it'll fill up maybe halfway. And those, you know, triggers are, start, are going to start going off, which will, you know, make you go more frequently throughout the day. And so someone who goes 15 times a day might need to retrain their bladder, kind of like someone who had, I don't know, a gastric bypass surgery and their stomach gets really small. They eat two ounces of food, they get full, whereas someone can eat like, you know, 10 ounces. And, and do you train that by, if I have to go pee, I hold it and that's how I train it? Yeah, so one of the ways you can train it, and this is where pelvic floor physiotherapy comes in, you have two sphincters. One of them is a little bit more internal at the neck of the bladder, and you have another sphincter that's below the prostate gland, and that is supported by the pelvic floor muscles. And so when you're able to contract these muscles fully, you have full control of the sphincter, and you're able to suppress the urge to go to the bathroom. And often it's just a, you know, a matter of improving that communication between your pelvic floor, your bladder, and your brain, and giving you the education that you need to know that it might not be a real urgency. It might be you know, a fake one in the sense that you went half an hour ago, your brain's tricking, you don't need to go right away, suppress the urge, keep doing your stuff so that you don't develop a lazy bladder. Yeah, I just want to add one thing because um, we're just just to be clear with everyone, we're talking about really the run-of-the-mill overactive bladder. There are other things that can cause people to pee a lot: diabetes and enlarged prostate infections. Mm -hmm. So if if there's something out of the ordinary in your symptoms, definitely seek medical help. At what point do you like? I always have that question. I think a lot of people too probably they think. At what point do you say I got to go see a doctor? Like, is there a well, if, if there's any, I mean, if, if, it's, if it's really a problem affecting your quality of life, but if yeah. there's any other symptoms that can be more than just the run-of-the-mill... If my color laugh, changes like, my pee, right? Yeah, yeah. if your urine I, becomes cloudy, if it hurts when you pee. I feel like people generally, when they're concerned, they're going to start off they by seeing see. their doctor. Yeah. And they're going to see what options they have in front of them. You can definitely take medication to help, but you can do a conservative approach also. And you kind of weigh out which one works for you and which route you want to take. But I always suggest, as Dr. Steinberg mentioned, it could be so many other factors. And we don't know what it's going to be. So rule them out before, first and foremost, and then you can go and do something a little bit more conservative and then bring awareness to the pelvic floor muscles. Um, there's also there's also people who not just pee a lot, but they actually lose urine, urinary incontinence. Yes. We see that extremely commonly in women, but we do see it in men in various yeah. conditions, and, and often they need to be seen by a, a pelvic floor physiotherapist. So uh, mm -hmm. what, do you, what can you tell us about that? Wait, what is a ur what, what is that, urine? <laughs> urinary incontinence. 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 The loss of urine. Oh, okay. The loss yeah. of urine, yeah. urine, yeah. urine yeah. leakage, okay. whether it be a drop or a large amount. Okay. It's okay. definitely more prevalent in women, but there is up to one-third of men who are affected by this. And it can be affected by different ways. So the first one being, you know, a stress incontinence. What that means is that the pressure is so high pushing on your bladder. For example, if you cough, if you sneeze, if you lift something heavy, the intra-abdominal pressure is gonna be pushing on the sphincter and that might lead to a leakage. Okay. 
okay? So another one could be, for example, an urge incontinence. So what this means is that the bladder gets excited, again, for someone maybe who has an overactive bladder, okay? okay? And then, you know, they'll put their hands in running water or they'll take, um, you know, a shower, they'll put their key in the door and then certain things will trigger that excitement of the bladder they and make it- They get such a strong urge that they can't, they can't they hold can't back control and, the, and pee in their pants. The bladder is gonna contract on its own involuntarily and they lose that control. Yeah. Another type of incontinence would be overflow, which happens because, you know, mainly in men who are a little bit older, I guess you can, yeah, if you it's, agree it's with me. Usually their prostate block the bladder right. almost completely. So they think that their sphincter is not working, but what it is, is their bladder's filling up and filling up and can have one exactly. to two liters wow. and just overflow like a, you know, when you take yeah. a cup and you pour water, it starts to drip over the side. Mm -hmm. And but they're not able to control that, it just comes out. It comes out because yeah. there's no more room in the bladder. Right. And is that normally for older people? Yes, because the bladder will compress um, and essentially block a part of the, of the urethra okay. and the urine has nowhere to go. So as Dr. Steinberg mentioned, it's yeah. going to you know, fill the bladder and then along the day it's yeah. going to kind of That could of be dribble. an important medical issue because the, the pressure in the bladder can yeah. actually back up to the kidneys and cause kidney damage. Wow. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Incontinence in males or, or urinary leakage in males is, is something that definitely you should seek help yeah. with. And okay. I, I think it's important to mention that a lot of men who've had prostate cancer and had the prostate removed are much more susceptible to getting incontinence because through the removal of the prostate, they inevitably have to remove the first sphincter. So that means that they have to rely 100% on the second sphincter. And, and so, the second sphincter can be damaged during the surgery also. Exactly, depending on yeah. how much they've removed, yeah. right? So then they would need to do some re-education yeah. for these muscles and gain strength, gain endurance, get better control and coordination, and, you know, integrate their pelvic floor, ex not their exercise, but, you know, integrate the pelvic floor within your day-to-day -day activities. Mm -hmm. You know, why is it there? Why do you have a pelvic floor? When should you be using it and what types of activities? So for example, if I want to go from a sitting to standing position, I might want to do what's called a perineal locking, which means contracting your pelvic floor prior and during doing the movement so that I don't get any loss of urine. I think this is important for you as a, as a trainer because this is something yes. you, can, you can work yeah. into your routine with, uh, with men when they're training, you know, locking in their pelvis mm -hmm. like they're doing with the whole core and locking in okay. that, that, that pelvis so while squeezing. they're doing a rep of something. They'd be yeah. squeezing like inside everything right it's like you're doing a kegel which means okay. you're doing a contraction of the pelvic floor muscles so what i like to say it's as if you're trying to hold in urine and gas because you really want you know the entire pelvic floor to lift and it's a movement that's going to be tightening and um, almost like an aspiration going upwards and inwards yeah. and something very interesting for people who do like to work out is you know it's very much a part of your core Okay. And often when we think of core, we, you know, we think of our abdominals, but they're tied in and they're connected with the innermost abdominal muscle, the transverse abdominis and the diaphragm as well. And the muscles that support your back. So these wow. four, you know, parts of the, um, your core, they really co-contract and synergetically work together so that if you're doing martial arts, for example, or any type of physical activity, you know, you're going to naturally bring in your abdominals and your pelvic floor often co-contract at the same time. And if they don't, these are often people who are more susceptible to having dysfunctions and problems like urinary leakage. But the common mistake that I see is that when you tell people to do their Kegels or they read it, but they squeeze their abdominals only. Yes. And they forget 
the pelvis. I cannot tell you how many people think they're doing what's called a Kegel, when in fact they're compensating, you know, with their inner thighs, especially with their glutes. There's hardly any elevation with the pelvic floor. They're blocking their breath, which by blocking your, you know, you're not moving the diaphragm. It's increasing that intradominal pressure, which could lead to more leakage. Yeah. So they're actually doing the opposite of what they're supposed exactly. to be doing. And I think verbal cueing and getting, you know, someone to really evaluate to see the quality of the contraction and what it's doing and being able to correct it to optimize the efficiency of the contraction so that when you're integrating it, it'll be working at an optimal, you know. Yeah, when I tell patients often that they should see a pelvic floor physiotherapist, says, no, 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 I did exercise, I said, no, no, no. Yeah. You need to see an expert to learn how to do it properly. Then you can do it on your own, but you know, if you're yeah. not improving at all or you're not no. getting any improvement, you're probably not doing it the right way. Keep in mind, Nick, that these muscles are not accessible on the outside of the body. You can't see them, they're hiding inside. And so to get that connection and to understand how to relate to them is not easy. And people yeah. often Good. feel that they're doing it properly, but they're compensating in so many different muscles that the actual real muscle is not doing very much. You know, and then you'll have people say, oh, I do Pilates and I do, I say, yeah, great, show me. And then sure enough, they sometimes they do the opposite and they push instead of, you know, pulling it inwards, they'll do the opposite. Yeah, good point. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you have any questions, uh, leave them in the comment box, any comments. Uh, let us know if there's any future videos or topics you want us to cover. Um, and make sure to go visit my website, nickdrosos.com or steinbergurology.com on Instagram at steinbergurology. Thanks again, Leanne, for coming. Thank you for having me. And remember, guys, have the balls to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs>